Good morning, Northridge. How are you guys? Good, good. It's good to see you guys. I want to welcome all the uh, Northridge family, whether you're Brighton or Celine, Grosil, maybe you're watching online. We're uh, so grateful that you're here and a part of this incredible family today. My name is Pete, and I am from Nashville, Tennessee. And oh, wow, we got some Nashville fans. That's good. 
or maybe you're just not a fan of the snow and you like that idea of the South or something. But I get to come hang out with you guys uh, usually a couple times a year, fill in for Pastor Brad uh, when he's not here. And now that all your snow is gone, I've decided to come back and hang out with you uh, again. And it really is uh, an honor to be here. Uh, that song that we just sung, uh, I, I think it's one of the most honest Christian songs that I've ever heard. And it's also a little uncomfortable if you really listen to the words of that song. Right, it's, it's uncomfortable to think about this idea that there are times where we believe, but we also doubt. Right? It's uncomfortable to think about this, this idea that, you know, if we're really honest, th there are days that we do wonder, and it's hard for us to believe in a good God. And we live in a difficult world, don't we? I mean, difficult things happen, and you turn on the news any day. You know, just this week, you're watching the news, and there's a, another school shooting, and it's just heartbreaking, and you wonder, how can those kind of things happen? And so if, if you're going through life with your eyes open at all, you're gonna have some questions, right? There's just some unexplainable things that happen in this world. And I want to talk a little bit today about what does that look like? You know, what, what does it look like when you're kind of going through life and you're kind of plagued with, with doubt and you're plagued with questions? Can, can you be a person of faith and still have some questions and still have some doubts? And so I, I want to look at a story today. We're actually going to look at two stories. And, and in both of these stories that we're going to look at today, Jesus is healing a person, but the actual healing that Jesus is doing is, is honestly not even really the entire point of the story. And what you're going to see in both of these stories, the first one's found in John chapter 9, is you're going to see that there is something that is unexplainable, but there's also something that's undeniable, all right? There's something unexplainable, and there's something that's undeniable, just like there is in our lives today, right? There are things that are unexplainable, but there's also some things that are undeniable. And what we're gonna see in these two stories is if you choose to focus on what's unexplainable, it's, you're never gonna cross the line of faith. It's gonna shipwreck your faith. But if you can get to a place where you focus on the undeniable, when the unexplainable comes along, it, it won't rob you of your joy. It won't rob you of your faith. So this is John chapter 9. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're not real familiar with the Bible, this story is a little bit weird. Uh, but just kind of hang in there with me. We'll kind of, kind of read through this together. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It says, as he went along, and it's talking about Jesus. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents then, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. It's interesting. Let me stop there for just a second because uh, they kind of had this mentality at this point in history uh, among the Jewish people that um, if, if someone had some kind of crisis, if somebody had some kind of disability, if somebody had something that was kind of falling apart in one area of their life, they almost always attributed it to the fact that that person had sinned or somebody in their life had sinned, that it always kind of went back to sin. Now, we don't really believe that in Christianity today, but the reality is, isn't it true, like when something's like falling apart in your life, one of the first things that you think about in your mind is, what did I do wrong? 
right? What, what did I sin? Is this God kind of getting me back? And the reality is that just because things go wrong doesn't necessarily mean that somebody has sinned. Let's say you're born with a certain condition. Uh, is that, you know, attributed to sin? Probably not. Let's say you're born uh, in some kind of poverty. Is that attributed to sin? Probably not. Let's say you're born in the state of Ohio. Is that attributed to sin? There's a good chance, um, a really good chance. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, you, you see the, the, the pattern? And, and we still, we buy into that trap today, right? But Jesus quickly steps in and says, no, th this, this has nothing to do w with sin. And then Jesus does something remarkable. All right, again, a little odd, but remarkable. Jesus spits on the ground. He kneels down. He makes some mud out of the dirt, and he puts the mud on the blind guy's eyes. And then he tells him to go and to wash in this pool, and he will see again. And guess what? The blind man does exactly what he says, and he receives sight, right? It's this unbelievable miracle. Well, now he can see, and so he goes back to his little part of the town, to his community, to tell everybody about the fact that he's, he's been healed. Verse 8, it says, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. So he goes home and this argument breaks out because some people are like, is that him? I'm not sure that's him. And other people are like, yeah, that's him. And he's like, yeah, it's me. I promise you. I'm the guy that used to beg. I was blind, but now I can see. Verse 10, how then were your eyes open? They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud. He put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and I washed it. Then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. So now that he, you know, I, they identify him as, yeah, that's the man. Another kind of argument breaks out. And this argument is about, well, like, how did this happen? And who did this? And he's like, well, here's what happened. And this is what happened. And then verse 13, things really quickly start to fall apart. It says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also uh, are asked him, how have you received sight? So once again, here he goes. He says, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they're divided. So this is it's, it's crazy story, right? Where th this guy's been blind his whole life. Jesus heals him. He goes back to the community. They break out in a fight about whether it's not, you know, whether or not it's really him. Then they drag him to the Pharisees. And now the Pharisees are fighting about whether this guy Jesus is really God or not because he's healed him on the Sabbath. And, and the blind guy's just like, hey, could we just celebrate? I, I used to be blind and now I can see. Could we, a party, maybe a cake, something, you know, like... This is kind of a big day for me. And now the religious leaders are in this argument about the fact that there's no way Jesus is from God. And they believe this because they think uh, that they know what God would always do and how God would do it and how God thinks, which is a really dangerous trap for any of us to make those kind of assumptions. And, and since all of a sudden they assume, they believe that God would never do a miracle like this on the Sabbath, there's no way this could be of God. Right? And so they've got God kind of in this box, and now this thing happens outside the parameters of that box, and since there's this mystery here and they can't explain it, they choose to refuse it. Right? They just refuse the whole thing. They won't drop this. 
So now the religious leaders are gonna go find the parents of the blind boy to kind of interview them. Verse 18, it says, the Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered. With that's, you know, if you're a parent, that's a good place to start, right? Like, <laughs> yep, that one's mine. That's, that's mine. And, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. So they go to the parents. They're like, hey, can you guys explain this? They're like, no. Our son was blind. Now we can see. This is kind of a big day for us. Is there a cake? Is there something? You know, like this is really good news. Verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? They didn't think that was very funny. And so they kick him out of the community. All right, they, kick, they, they ban him. Now, think about this, this kid's day, right? He starts off and he's blind and he's begging like he has his entire life. All of a sudden, this guy shows up, spits on the ground, puts mud in his eyes, tells him to go wash. Now he can see. He goes back to his community. His community doesn't believe that it's him. They're finally convinced it's him. Then they drag him in front of the religious leaders and religious leaders are mad uh, because he says this man Jesus did it. And he's like, I, listen, I can't explain all this, but there's something that's undeniable. I used to be blind and now I can see. And they're like, well, that's great, but this isn't matching up for us, and so we're going to kick you out of the community. Well, Jesus hears about this, verse 35. We'll wrap up the story here. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. You know, doesn't need a big lengthy explanation. He's just like, tell me who he is and I'm gonna worship him. Like, you don't have to explain this to me. I used to be blind and now I can see. And so you just tell me who he is and I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna worship. It's kind of this very pure kind of initial kind of like step of faith. You know, every once in a while people will ask me, Pete, do, do you, do you have doubts? Like, do you ever have, you know, those moments where you doubt, like, who God is? And, you know, do you have these moments where you have questions that sometimes kind of plague you? And most of the time, I feel like I'm pretty honest about this. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I do have doubts. I do have some unanswered questions. In fact, there's some questions that I've had to kind of get to a place of just accepting the fact that this side of heaven I'm probably not gonna get answers to some of those questions. I have doubts. In fact, I, I have like so many doubts that if I were to just stand up here and tell you all the doubts I had, I could probably destroy your faith, right? But that, that would be occupational hazard for me, so I, I won't do that, right? I, I try to do the opposite of that and build up people's faith. But I have doubts, and I do have questions. And the times and the seasons in my life when I have doubts and I have questions, it's probably brought on by the same things that bring about your questions and, and your doubts. 
I'm going to show you a picture of a painting right now. You'll instantly know what this painting is. It's the Mona Lisa. It's missing a few pieces, but you can still tell exactly what it is. In fact, I could probably put another 10 or 12 missing pieces in there, and you'd still know exactly what that painting is. But let me tell you when I doubt. When, when I doubt is when I get focused on the missing piece. Right? If, if I got real close to that painting... And if I were to get, you know, half an inch away from one of those missing pieces, I would see nothing but the missing piece. See, it's possible in life to focus just at the unexplainable. But the reality is from where you're sitting, that painting is the Mona Lisa. It's undeniable, right? Even with the missing pieces, you know exactly what it is. And the times in my life when I doubt, the times in my life where I'm just kind of riddled with questions is when I am just so laser focused on the missing piece, when I'm laser focused on what seems to be unexplainable, right? When God does things that just don't make sense to me or God allows things to happen that I don't think he should allow to happen, when there's questions in life and I don't feel like God's given me the answers to them, when God is unexplainable to me, then all of a sudden, if I get focused on that, that's when my faith begins to shrink. Are you focused on the unexplainable or on the undeniable? You know, the, the power of the, the human mind is fascinating. I won't even begin. There's probably some of you here that, that know a lot more about the brain and the mind and how it all functions than I do, but I know it's a, a phenomenal thing. I'm gonna put a quote up on the screen. And I want all of our campuses, you don't have to read this aloud, but I want you to just kind of read along as I kind of read this quote. At first, you're going to think it's just a jumbled up mess. Don't freak out. You're, you're not sick or anything. It really is jumbled up. But let me read this to you. It says, I couldn't believe that I could actually understand what I was reading. The phenomenal power of the human mind, according to a researcher at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without a problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. Amazing, huh? Now, if you weren't able to read along with that, that means something's messed up with your mind, all right? <laughs> And, and you, should, you should probably get that checked out, all right? But, um, and I don't know how that works, right? I don't know. I don't, like, I understand there's a study, and I understand that I looked at that paragraph for the first time, and I could read it, even though all the words were still jumbled up. What it reminds me of is that our mind is a powerful thing. It's complex. It's like this computer that can just do stuff, like, as it goes, and one of the things that is so true about the complexity of our mind is what you allow your mind to dwell on, what you allow your mind to focus on, all right, is very important because that impacts your heart. What you allow your mind to dwell on will always, it will impact your heart. It reminds me of this passage of Psalms 121. It just says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. That's a phrase we find a lot throughout the Old Testament. And it was kind of this saying that, that speaks to the freedom that we have as human beings to what we focus our minds on. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I have the ability to either focus on God or focus on the crisis. 
I can focus on God where my help comes from, or I can focus on the questions. I can focus on what's undeniable, or I can focus on what's unexplainable. And whenever I begin to shift my focus from what's unexplainable to what is undeniable, right, my faith begins to just soar. Now, I'm going to show you the second story because I told you there are two stories and both of them have the unexplainable and both of them have the undeniable and both of them have a very powerful lesson about how faith kind of begins to be born in our lives. Um, and this story is found in Mark chapter nine. And it again, too, is kind of like a weird story. Culturally, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. But in this story, there, there's, a, there's a father and there's a son and the son is believed to be demon possessed. And he's doing all kinds of kind of crazy, violent things. And this father's heart is heartbroken for his son. He wants nothing more than his son to be healed. And he's desperate. And so he goes to this man, Jesus, who he's heard can do remarkable things. All right. And this is Mark chapter nine. It starts in verse 22. He says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible. For him who believes, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Quick story. I, I, I love this story because it's so real and it's so honest. And the father just starts with this simple prayer of, but if you can do anything. Now, that's not a real strong prayer, right? I mean, that's not a prayer they're going to turn into a worship song, probably, right? You know, but if you can do anything. Like, you're probably not going to go to church here any weekend at Northridge and hear Pastor Brad or anybody else open up prayer with, but if you can do anything, we sure could use your help. Like, that'd be right. That, it's not a real strong prayer of faith. And so everybody's wondering, how is Jesus going to respond to this? And Jesus kind of just launches in with, you know what? Everything is possible, which is great news for this man, right? It's great news for me. Everything is possible. That's exactly what this father wanted to hear. But the next part of this phrase was sad news for the dad. He says, everything is possible for him who believes. And so the father's like, oh, are you kidding me? That's my problem. That's my problem right there. I, I can't believe. And the father responds immediately, immediately with, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. He's like, I, I believe, but, but I doubt, right? He, he's like, I, I want, but I'm scared it can never happen. And that father, I think, sums up the emotions of so many of us right now in this moment, right? There, there's something going on in your life and you're like, I want to believe, I want to have faith that Jesus could do something about this, but ah, there's just too many questions. There's just like too many missing pieces. What's amazing in this story is Jesus responds by going, finding the son, healing the son, picks the son up, returns the son to the dad. And this whole story really for me comes down to like how much faith is really enough. And I think what you can tell is um, you just need enough faith to just come to Jesus. That's what you need. You need just enough faith to just come to Jesus. It's not your job to conjure up the feelings of certainty. You just come to Jesus. It's his job to increase our faith. How much faith is enough? Just enough 
faith, to be honest, to be real. See, I think this man's response is so important because I think there's a tendency that we have sometimes as Christians, especially those of us inside church, we have this tendency to think that we have to um, never have any questions and never have any doubts. There's this tendency inside of all of us to um, just think and, and make this assumption that we have to have this rock solid faith all the time. And so even though sometimes we have doubts, we never want to bring that up. We don't want to be honest about that. But this guy is just amazingly transparent with Jesus. And when Jesus says everything is possible for him who believes, he's like, yeah, that's my problem. To be honest, I'm just not sure that you can do it. And what we see here, and this is so amazing about Jesus, is Jesus prefers honesty to certainty. Let me say that again. Jesus prefers honesty to certainty. Just come to him and just be real with it. See, I think forced, insincere, you know, feelings of faith, they kill your prayer life. You just gotta be real. You have to be honest about it. How much faith does it take? It's just enough faith to come to Jesus and be real. I wanna believe, but I doubt. I wanna believe, but I have some questions. It comes down to, can you get to that place where you just say, you know what? Yep, there's some doubt and there's some questions, but I am going to shift my focus from what is unexplainable to what is undeniable. And that, friends, really is what faith is all about. Shifting from what's unexplainable to undeniable. And you know what's undeniable for me? And maybe we just have to start like at the very bottom level here. What's undeniable to me, and this is where I go sometimes when I have questions and doubts, uh, what's undeniable to me is that I'm here, like right now, and you're here right now. We, we, we're here. And, and like to believe in anything other than creation means that I have to believe that something came out of nothing. Right? And, and so it's undeniable to me that there's a creator. It's undeniable to me, like just this, this bottom level, like that I'm here and that God created me and he created you. You know what else is undeniable to me? It's undeniable to me that every single human being has some kind of ache inside of them. We do. Every single human being I have ever met, I have ever talked with has some kind of ache inside of them and no earthly relationship can quench that ache or quench that thirst. Um, no amount of success, no amount of power, no amount of money can quench that thirst, that ache that every human being has. That's undeniable to me. You know what else is undeniable to me? God's grace. Now there are unexplainable aspects of it for sure. And that's actually what we see throughout these two different stories, that it is actually possible for something to be unexplainable and undeniable at the exact same time. God's grace and how it has shaped my life and changed my life, it's undeniable. But also, it's kind of unexplainable. I don't know how that works. I don't know how me putting my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross has transformed my life like it has, but I know that it has. It's undeniable to me. And whenever I shift my focus from what's unexplainable to undeniable, things change. And that's where I want to be in my life. 
And so let me talk to just a couple groups of you as we kind of wrap up today. There's a group of you that maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. And maybe right now, you're going through something that's kind of difficult. Or maybe right now, your eyes are just kind of open to what's going on in the world circumstantially, and whether it has to do with politics, or whether it has to do with violence, or whether it has to do with world hunger. There's just some things happening in this world that sometimes make you question whether or not there really is a good God. And you're a person of faith, but you're kind of struggling right now to connect all the dots. First of all, I just want to say, like, welcome to the family. I think this is true of all of us. Some of us are just a little more honest about it than others. Some of us, I think, are wired in a way where doubts and questions kind of capture our attention quicker than others. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever looked around and there seems to be people that are, just have this giant faith that take these huge risks for God? Like, I've always wanted to be one of those people. It's not, it's not really the way that I'm initially wired. Uh, you know, I want to be this courageous, go after it, have all the faith in the world, but I get scared and I have questions sometimes. Yesterday I was flying in from Nashville and um, you guys had some really interesting weather yesterday afternoon and I got to experience it very up close inside of a tin can flying through the clouds, right? And we're like dodging lightning and uh, all kinds of turbulence and like I am gripping the chair, right? And, and I'm saying some unpastoral type things and... and <laughs> Uh, the lady sitting next to me, I had told her earlier in the flight, she asked me where I was coming here, so I was telling her, you know, about kind of what I do. The whole time she's looking at me like, you need to do something about this. Uh, and, and I'm not kidding you, I, I look at the guy in front of me, and he's asleep. I'm like, how, I, I, I felt compelled to wake him up and say, dude, you need to know we're going down right now, right? Like, you shouldn't have this peace that you have right now in this moment. How can you sleep through this, right? And I just think that that's kind of me. Like, when things start to fall apart, my, my initial reaction is to focus on the crisis or focus on what's undeniable. And I have to constantly go back to, oh, wait, 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 Pete, don't drift too far. Get back here. Don't focus so much on what's unexplainable. Lift your eyes. Get focused on what's undeniable. And then my faith begins to rise again. So some of you are here and you have those doubts and you have those questions. You're already a believer. Again, welcome to the family. Just keep constantly shifting your focus from what's unexplainable to what's undeniable. Now, some of you are here and you have more than a few missing pieces from your picture of faith. For you, like half the, the picture's missing, right? And, and you're, you're, you're just not there yet. You're not ready to cross the line of faith. You're not ready to make a, a, a full like, commitment to Jesus. And I just wanna say to you, like, we're so glad that you're here. Keep coming back. Keep asking questions. Keep exploring Christianity. One of the beautiful things that Jesus did wherever he went, and one of the beautiful things about this wonderful church, Northridge, is that you can belong before you believe. Right? You're welcome here. Be here, stay here, like be loved here. Uh, keep chasing after God and trying to figure out what all that is. And I believe some of those pieces to the puzzle will start to come into play for you. And then the final group are those of you that are here that you haven't crossed that line of faith yet because you're just one of those people that feels like every I has to be dotted and every T has to be crossed. And, and you know that there's some undeniable, but you still have some missing pieces and you have some unexplainable. And, and those unanswered questions have kept you from crossing the line of faith. And maybe, just maybe today, you're gonna be liberated by this truth that you don't have to understand everything.
to believe something. And maybe in this moment today, maybe one of the campuses, maybe you're watching online, you just say, you know what? That's true. I don't have to understand everything to believe something. And I wanna put my faith in Jesus and what he's done for me. And right now, as we bow our heads over all of our campuses and we say a simple prayer, maybe right now, just sitting where you're sitting, in your mind, and your heart, you would just say this prayer in your heart. And you would just say, dear God, I, I wanna come to you. I wanna come to you with my questions. I'm gonna come to you with my doubts. But I'm also gonna come to you with enough faith to just say, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Even though there's some unexplainable, I believe that it's also undeniable that God, you love me, that you sent your son for me, that he died on the cross for me, and I want what he did on that cross to be applied to my sin problem, and I wanna begin a journey with you, Jesus. And it's that very simple confession of just coming to Jesus that begins our relationship with him. God, we love you, we're grateful for you, for it's in your name that we pray, amen. All right, real, real quick uh, before we leave, uh, there's a uh, little program that everybody got on their way in, and there's this little connection card that you can tear off. I want you to do me a favor. This is really important. At the bottom of that connect card, there's a place where you can actually mark that you prayed that prayer to make a decision to follow Christ. I really wanna encourage you to just mark that, and then again, at all the campuses, um, you can just drop that off in a box on your way out. If you're watching online, there's actually a little button there that says next steps. You just click on that button, all right? And that will kind of get you started with that. Uh, and just there are all, all kinds of great things on here on how you can connect, prayer requests, whatever. There's also a prayer team. Maybe you're here today and maybe some of the things going on in our world today just breaking your heart and you want someone to just pray with. Again, you just come forward today at all the campuses um, and there's a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Uh, Northridge, I love you guys. It's always great being here with you. I hope you have an awesome week and we'll see you next weekend. Thanks, guys. Fire set it alive.